0: All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we are previewing the various training camp and roster battles involving the Atlanta Falcons offensive line and what's at stake this summer as well as this season. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you guys know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com. RIP still going strong. However, on Twitter at falcfans. And of course the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast network, your team every day. And, Before we get into today's training camp preview of the Falcons offensive line, I do want to plug the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast because I know you're looking for that edge to win your fantasy league this year. And of course, the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast hosted by Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News gives you that daily edge, giving you the data that you need so that your fantasy squad never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, today's episode of Locked on Falcons is going to be previewing the Falcons offensive line. This is the second of probably more than two dozen previews that we will be doing over the next couple of weeks here on Locked on Falcons, and we're going in a little bit of an unorthodox order. We started things off on Wednesday with the wide receiver group. We're continuing things today with the offensive line. We'll probably wind up switching over to the defensive side of all next week, and I'm just trying to keep you guys on your toes. There is a logic to the order that I'm going in, but I will not share it with you at this current time, and today we're going to be talking about the offensive line room. We're going to be talking about and breaking down the various roster changes and the Falcons depth chart on that offensive line entering training camp. We'll be looking deeper into what's at play for the three most experienced offensive linemen of the unit going into the season, that being Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, and Kayla McGarry. And then we'll sort of get into the one big question for the Falcons entering camp, which is do they already have the pieces that they need in-house at the left guard and center positions to get through this upcoming season. And we'll preview some of the various camp battles that may be ongoing. And, and some players that may be sort of sleepers in those various camp battles. But with that being said, let's talk about the players that the Falcons retained the seven players that the Falcons still have from a year ago are of course, starting right guard, Chris Lindstrom starting left tackle, Jake Matthews starting right tackle, Kayla McGarry, their swing tackle and Matt Gano, was dealing with an injury, an undisclosed injury that Reportedly is not necessarily going to cost him the season, but we don't know the extent and what exactly that injury is. So at least in theory, you know, maybe it potentially jeopardizes his ability to compete in training camp um, for not only a starting spot at the right tackle position, the left guard position, as well as holding on to his swing tackle position. In addition to those four uh, that the Falcons have retained from last year, you have Matt Hennessy. Uh, presumably the presumptive starter at the center position, going into his second year, and two practice squad players in Willie Wright and Willie Beavers also in the mix. The Falcons lost four players on their offensive line over the course of the offseason in starting left guard James Carpenter, starting center Alex Mack, Uh, their backup offensive tackle in John Wetzel, and their sort of utility interior offensive lineman in Justin McRae, who played as the sort of fill-in as the backup at left guard center and right guard so that means that the falcons have added a whole bunch of new players a lot of them relatively young the most experienced of the group is josh andrews um, who is now the presumptive potential starter at left guard william sweet a potential candidate to compete uh, for that backup offensive tackle spot and potentially john wetzel's replacement sam jones uh, a guy that has experience playing left guard and center in this league. And then you have five rookies. Oh, I'm sorry, six rookies. Jalen Mayfield, their third round pick out of Michigan. Drew Dalman, their fourth round center out of Stanford. Uh, and then three guards in undrafted free agents Ryan Newsel out of Appalachian State. Joe Scultherp out of NC State. Bryce Hargrove out of the. University of Pittsburgh and then offensive tackle Keon Smith out of Fayetteville State. So when we look at the Falcons depth chart at this position starting out with the tackles you have left tackle Jake Matthews right tackle Caleb McGarry atop the depth chart then your swing tackle again is Matt Gono dealing with those undisclosed injury concerns so whether he's solidified and entrenched in that swing tackle that OT3 I guess you could call it a role um, you know is at stake then OT4 Four, I would go William Sweet, probably the top option to potentially replace Gano if he misses extended time, followed by Willie Beavers and then Keon Smith. Then moving inside to the guard position, you have left guard Josh Andrews as the presumptive starters entering training camp, right guard Chris Lindstrom. Then you have, I guess, OG three or really LG left guard two in Jalen Mayfield. OG four being Willie Wright, OG five being Ryan Nuzel. OG6, Joe Sculthorpe and OG7, Bryce Hargrove. And what's interesting about those three players in particular, most of them have spent all or most of their college time playing left guard for the Falcons, which clearly is indicative that the Falcons really want, you know, help at that particular position. And due to their sort of short arms, they all might be better suited being centers, but they haven't necessarily got a ton of work at least in games at the center position. I think Joe Skullthorpe actually got some practice reps early on in his career at NC State, playing some center, but primarily was a left guard and right guard over the course of the last four years at NC State and Bryce Hargrove and Ryan Newsel, all of their career starts have come at the left guard position. But moving inside to the center position, you have Matt Hennessy atop the depth chart, Drew Dolman as the center, two on the depth chart, and then the third center presumably is Sam Jones, but similar to Newsome, Sculthorpe and Hargrove, um, all a guy that's sort of shorter armed, but actually has some NFL reps playing in Denver, um, you know, in 2018 and 2019 um, as a center. So we'll give him you know the bump there. But the point of me explaining all that is that when we get to the summer it wouldn't be a shock if maybe Skultherp is the third string center or Noozle's the third string center. Um, And Sam Jones is, you know, the third string left guard or whatever the case may be. Uh, The Falcons sort of have, you know, interchangeable pieces there, I I think is the point I'm getting at with, you know, those left guards, those, you know, third, fourth string left guards and the third string center. Um, So we'll see if there's some versatility and, and some, uh, cross training at those two spots among that position group. So that breaks down the Falcons depth chart on the offensive line. And we'll move in to the conversation, talking about the quote unquote big three and Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, Kayla McGarry as being the guys with the most NFL experience heading into the summer. And guys that are presumably going to be entrenched as the starting spots and uh, firmly entrenched and what's sort of at stake for them this upcoming season what we're watching for uh, entering this summer and uh, before we get there guys of course I'm going to plug the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team including those pesky Atlanta Hawks find the Lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland uh, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts and I'm sure some of you guys are like Aaron stop calling the Hawks pesky but you know th- th- you know that's what they are man you know no one had any expectations for this Hawks team entering the season that they would make it this far and they have just surprised every team at every stage of this season, ever since Nate McMillan uh, took over early in the season. So pesky to me is the perfect way of describing them. It's not diminishing them in any way, but uh, get all the latest on the, the Atlanta Hawks and the lockdown Hawks or your favorite other NBA team. Maybe you're a Bucks fan. Maybe you're the weird, Atlanta Falcons Bucks crossover because you were born away in Wisconsin. And for some reason you fell in love with the Atlanta Falcons at an age where you knew no better, uh, but you can find locked on Bucks, You can find locked on Celtics, locked on Lakers, of course, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the NBA, NHL, MLB, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline. The NHL and NBA playoffs are ongoing. You got Wimbledon uh, kicking off, and, of course, baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all that action at BetOnline. But it's not just sports, since BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit $500, you'll get $250 in free money to play with. You know, who can turn down that offer? Again, use that promo code LOCKEDON to get that welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So when we look at this offensive line, given the influx of youth on this unit, you know, there isn't a lot of experience to go around. Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, and Caleb McGarry are the most experienced guys. Jake is the sort of long in a tooth veteran relative to these guys, Lindstrom McGarry going into the third year, but there's only other five players that the Falcons are bringing in to camp this year that have actually played a snap in an NFL game as an offensive lineman. That's, Leading the pack is Josh Andrews with 409 snaps. That's roughly the equivalent of like six and a half games uh, worth of playing time. Uh, Matt Gano with 377 snaps, about six games. Matt Hennessy with 225 snaps, about three and a half games. And then you have Sam Jones with 15 snaps and Willie Beavers with 11 snaps. So those five players combined for about a thousand snaps. And that's basically one season's worth of play. So, you know, between everybody else on this Falcons roster, you have basically the three guys that have started multiple years in Atlanta and then a whole bunch of other guys that have combined for one uh, season's worth of starts. So you basically have four starters worth of talent here on the offensive line. So clearly a lot of inexperience and the Falcons are essentially going to be counting very heavily on their ability to coach up all these inexperienced players. And let's talk about the sort of three known commodities for a moment uh, before we get into sort of those guys competing later on in today's episode. Talking about Jake Matthews and essentially what's at stake for Jake Matthews this year is maintaining the level of play that he's played at, which has been one of the top left tackles in the game, you know, over these last three years and making that four years in a row. And we touched upon Jake Matthews when we had DW of the Falcoholic on the podcast last week and talking about him as an underrated player. And I'll sort of reiterate. Uh, along the same lines that DW was speaking about. And one of the reasons why I personally think, you know, Jake Matthews is very underrated is largely due to, you know, a contingent of Falcon fans that still hold the grudge against him for his poor performance in the Super Bowl several years ago. And, or some people still having these enormously high expectations um, from him when he was drafted at the top of 2014. And I've heard one person term it sort of, the idea that you know his dad Bruce was a Hall of Famer, so they kind of expect Jake to be comparable. Which you know, I, I feel like Jake is always going to be looked at by a vocal contingent of Falcon fans as not ever being good enough and will never sort of live up to the status to, to, to sort of emerge out of their eyes as you know less than uh, when compared to other uh, potential tackles and other potential options that the Falcons could have had at that position for the last you know seven years. Um, but I think the reason why people should appreciate Jake Matthews more is the fact that he's left on an island in pass protection you're not getting chips from running backs and tight ends to the same degree that other players on the offensive line are getting he's not ever really getting help from the left guard and sort of the easiest analogies to compare that to is basically a cornerback being left on an island with absolutely no safety help in in coverage. And it wouldn't matter if that corner was facing Julio Jones or Mike Evans or Laquan Treadwell, he's going to be on his own he's going to be forced to sink or swim on his own. And I think the fact that Jake Matthews contrary to popular opinion winds up, you know, swimming the vast majority of the weeks uh, is a testament to his ability. And, I think with that context, you know, people should better appreciate Jake Matthews on, in what he does on a weekly basis. And then certainly there are going to be times when he gets beat, but the degree of difficulty uh, that he's asked to do and the fact uh, that is that he has contained some of the uh, top pass rushers in the NFL these last couple of years like Chandler Jones and Bradley Chubb and Nick Bosa and he never seems to ever get credit for that. Uh, moving inside to the right guard position, you got Chris Lindstrom and this third year now as a former first round pick for the Falcons in 2019 is now an important year. You you've seen, and I've discussed in the past about pro football, fake focus data that says the breakout year for offensive lineman typically is year three or four. And obviously Lindstrom's going into year three and we're sort of hoping he solidifies himself as one of the premier guards in the NFL this year. Uh, He's already shown in two years that he's already one of the better guards in the NFL, and even if he shows zero improvement from this point on, you know, certainly can continue to claim uh, himself as one of the better guards uh, and and essentially be able to maintain much like we've talked about with Jake Matthews these last couple of years. But hopefully we'll continue to see growth from Chris Lindstrom, and I'm sure – you know, eventually he'll be talked about as one of the top guards in the league. You know, maybe not quite in the Zach Martin tier of guys, uh, but certainly potentially throwing his name into uh, the ring in terms of being in that conversation for that next tier of guys. Who's the best guys? You know, similar to what we talked about with Grady Jarrett several years ago, uh, where it's like, okay, Aaron Donald's the best tackle in the league, but who's the next guy? And Grady Jarrett, whether it's Grady Jarrett, Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox, you know, Grady Jarrett has over these. Last three or four years really solidified himself as a prime candidate in that guard. And I think Chris Lindstrom has the potential um, to sort of be the equivalent of that at the guard position. And right now, I think the biggest hurdle that Lindstrom's going to have to overcome uh, that's sort of blocking him from reaching that level is his ability to deal with some of the more powerful defensive tackles that he's faced. Last year, you saw some struggles against guys like Akeem Hicks and Chris Jones uh, being prominent examples of that. And, you know, coming out of the gates, he's going to potentially face a guy like Fletcher Cox, and that's probably going to be arguably one of the toughest matchups he's going to have this year. And if he can hold his own against Fletcher Cox then you know, there's no reason to think that he won't be able to hold his own against pretty much everybody else he faces this year. And so we saw Jake Matthews also struggle with power early in his career. And I think as he's gotten better, you know, there's still aren't, he's not elite there by any means, but certainly has mitigate a lot of those issues over the most part. Um, And, you know, Jake, it took you know basically until year four, year five for him. You know, shout out to Chris Morgan, thanks for that. Um, and you know, it was about year four or five for for Jake before that that issue became less prominent for him. And now we're just kind of hoping for Chris Lindstrom; it'll happen in year three. Let's move to his uh, teammate on the right side of the offensive line, and Caleb McGarry. And McGarry is a player that I've talked about before, is similar to Jake. Who's uh, I feel like in a lot of ways is fine uh, but is overly held to a a very high standard by a lot of folks. And I think a lot of that is stems from people perceiving him to be a reach in the first round of that 2019 draft at pick 31. And those people don't really appreciate that where he was picked that late in round one, you're not expecting to get first round talent at that point in, in round one at pick 31. You're basically at that point mining what you think is some of the best of the second round talent. And I think, Under that context, Caleb McGarry more than lives up to uh, that billing because when you look at guys that are quote-unquote first-round talents that are still available at, say, pick 31, the vast majority of them fall into one of two categories. Really talented players with character red flags like a Randy Gregory or really talented players with injury red flags like a Miles Jack as two prominent examples. And then when you factor in that the Falcons, the, the reason, the, the the catalyst for why the Falcons moved up into round one to get Kayla McGarry, because they were leapfrogging a bunch of tackle-needy teams picking at the top of round two, uh, and they wanted to make sure that they were getting, you know, what was, at least in their eyes, the best of the remaining offensive tackles. They wanted to, you know, if there was maybe a, 4% chance that Caleb McGarry was going to fall to them at wherever they were picking in the 40s or wherever it was in round 2 they wanted to guarantee a 100% chance that they would get that guy so they wound up trading up for him and I think so far through 2 years I think they have been more than justified in that decision when you look at the alternatives that they could have the Jaguars a couple of picks later took Jawan Taylor a player that at that time in the offseason was being billed as a potential top 10 top 15 pick and then fell due to what I just mentioned to reiterate the point I just made to to injury concerns, and Taylor seemed to start out solid in Jacksonville as a rookie, but then regressed last year. Uh, you know, you you compare in terms of his pass protecting grades and whatnot. Then you look at the fact that Taylor has been com- uh, has committed twenty penalties over the course of two years in Jacksonville compared to Caleb McGarry's only six. Then you look at you know thirty seventh and thirty eighth picks uh, in Greg Little and Cody Ford, respectively. Both of those guys have been disappointments with the Panthers and Bills respectively. The Panthers added two players this offseason to compete and wind up overtaking Greg Little at that left tackle position and Ford has basically been nudged inside as a guard and probably will wind up being a backup this year from what I can tell. uh, Reading the tea leaves uh, up in Buffalo and then Dalton Reisner, the 41st overall pick that was a college right tackle but was kicked inside to left guard by the Denver Broncos. Decent starter for a rookie but then regressed again last year. Graded out according to Pro Football Focus on par with James Carpenter, which is not a positive sign for him. Maybe some of that's owed to the struggles of their center, Lloyd Cushenberry. And we've talked about in the past where, you know, it, it, it certainly helps guards to play better if they get good center play, and the Broncos did not get that, and that's why they, they drafted my boy Quinn Miners this year. Um, and then even the next tackle off the board after uh, the where the Falcons would have been picking in round two, and uh, Max Sharping, who went 55th overall, has been a very underwhelming left guard for the Houston Texans these last two years. So I feel like the Falcons quote unquote gamble of thinking McGarry was the last decent offensive tackle left on the board uh, and their decision to go get their guy. seems like so far it's been the justified call. We'll see sort of how that plays out over the next couple of years as these guys mature and grow into, as all of these guys now entering years three and four uh, will, you know, potentially solidify themselves into what they are going to be for the rest of their career. So I feel like the grief that McGarry gets at this point in time is the point I'm trying to make is pretty silly at this point. You know, I I think there's certainly um, significant improvement that he needs to make on the football field. um, And similar to Lindstrom, we'll see if he can do that now in year three, but I think there's reasons to be at least somewhat optimistic that he can assuming that he's going to get better coaching from his position group uh, from Dwayne Ledford as opposed to Chris Morgan. And I certainly saw significant improvement in McGarry's technique from year one to year two. So I'm optimistic that he's certainly on the right path to show similar progress. I know Tory McElhaney of the athletic has written recently about how the Falcons may be looking at their rookie and Jalen Mayfield who played right tackle at Michigan to potentially push and compete McGarry for that starting spot. And, you know, given the amount of snaps that Mayfield has gotten at the right tackle position, given McGarry's absence and Gano's injury in OTAs, and we'll see about that. I tend to be very skeptical of that, but I can't be too skeptical of that because I've learned uh, my lesson in the past of dismissing such opinions. As I go back to, you know, this summer of 2015, when the late great Vaughn McClure was writing about, you know, how John Asamoah, the Falcons incumbent right guard heading into that summer you know, was not deemed as a ideal scheme fit for the outside zone scheme that Kyle Shanahan and company were bringing in, even though I sort of scoffed at that and said, well, he played in a, a similar scheme in Kansas City. But then we watched John Osimo on the second day of camp get, get benched and never wound up climbing back up the depth chart and wound up subsequently retiring with what was a career ending hip injury. So I won't dismiss it outright, Because, you know, if any of these three players that we're discussing right now, Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry certainly is the guy that deserves to be challenged the most. But for me, I would assume Matt Gano is the the guy that could legitimately unseat him as a starter, not necessarily Mayfield. And I know you guys are tired of hearing me bash Jalen Mayfield on this podcast over these last couple of months. Um, but I just think when you project his skill set looking at what he showed on film at Michigan, you don't look at a guy that is ideally suited to play tackle in the NFL. You know, you take all your concerns that you have, the major concerns that you have with Caleb McGarry, and why he has been a little bit too up and down for a lot of people's. Taste, you know, that's due to not has necessarily having the quickest feet and struggling to handle speed and then being inconsistent and uh, ineffective at times with his hands, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint. Um, And then I just think you take those two issues, you dial them up to 11. And that's basically what Jalen Mayfield is, at least as a tackle prospect. I think some of those issues can be somewhat mitigated, moving him inside to guard, So that being said, you know, it's just hard for me to buy that Mayfield is a legit contender at right tackle, especially when you consider the glaring uh, concerns that the Falcons have at left guard, where Josh Andrews, who I think graded out as the second lowest graded offensive lineman in the NFL last year, according to pro football focus uh, during his four or so starts at right guard and left guard for the New York jets is sort of the incumbent there. If you're looking for Mayfield to uh, take a, a, a bite out at a starting spot. I think you want it at left guard, not necessarily right tackle. Where Caleb McGarry, again, not a superstar, but is fine. So I feel like if anybody's going to push McGarry, it's, it should be Gano, uh, whose strengths are you know sort of opposite to to McGarry, at least in terms of athleticism and and feet, having that quick. Uh, feet to handle speed and certainly having the athleticism that even when his technique is a little off, similar to McGarry's, at least Gano has the athleticism to recover much better than McGarry and essentially get another bite at the apple on the same rep b- before he's completely lost in that regard. Um, And so that would be the player in my eyes in Matt Gano that I would look uh, to potentially replace Kayla McGarry if the Falcons were looking for a Kayla McGarry upgrade. Um, But obviously, we still don't quite know the status of Matt Gano's injury, uh, at least as of this recording. Um, But I think, you know, whatever the concerns are. Uh, that you, I, or the Falcons might have with McGarry at right tackle. There are much bigger fish to fry at the left guard and center positions and elsewhere on the depth chart. And I think hoping for McGarry to continue on his path of improvement is kind of the least of the Falcons worries up front. And we'll get into those other worries, focusing on the left guard position and the center position and talking about the big question over whether the Falcons current options there at those two spots are Adequate enough for the Falcons to be able to, to get and expect, you know, adequate to good play on the interior of their offensive line heading into the summer as well as this regular season. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the MLB side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite MLB team, including the Atlanta Braves. Check out the Lockdown Breaks podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So finding the right parts to Build up your offensive line can be difficult, as the Falcons can attest, but it's not so difficult when it comes to finding the right parts for your car because all you got to do is go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door because the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose by brand, specification, the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend over twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So, guys, did you know that Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market, has nine delicious flavors? Whether you're a big fan of coconut almond, like me, or you prefer mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut or raspberry. There's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavors, such as German chocolate cake and orange and strawberry all on sale now. You can try them all with a mixed box and you'll want to do so get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar without any of the guilt Uh, built bars contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. My favorite, the coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy. I also can highly recommend the strawberry flavor. And by all means, you should take advantage of the summer savings. And it's not just about built bars. Great taste. They're healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. So again, you can, Get all that great taste without any of the guilt. Just head over to the website at builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked fifteen, and you'll get fifteen percent off your first order. That's promo code locked fifteen to get fifteen percent off at builtbar.com. So the one big question I have entering training camp is: Do the Falcons already have the pieces that they need in house at left guard and center to get through this upcoming season? And as we try to come up with a worthwhile answer to that question. You know, we're obviously going to have the key position battles at this position group for starting spots at the left guard and center position, um, you know, who are going to be those week one starters. Don't know. We can guess. We'll give you some candidates, but let's sort of talk about the rest of the competition at this offensive line group before we get into those two specific positions. Right now, I'm assuming the Falcons will probably keep nine offensive linemen, you'd are allowed eight active guys on the roster on Sundays. And there's presumably safe space for one more body to sort of be in an emergency option in the event of injuries. Um, And, you know, we can be pretty confident that players like Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry, Drew Doman, Matt Hennessy and Jalen Mayfield are six players that are virtual locks to be, you know, out of those nine players and there's three other spots remaining Matt Gano, if healthy should be on the list to fill one of those spots should be a lock. Um, But we don't quite know his status. And you know, there's a chance that given the unknown of the undisclosed injury that he has that at least in theory currently seems to be, uh, putting his ability to compete in camp in jeopardy and possibly putting his ability to compete at the start of the season in jeopardy you know it's hard to sort of glean anything with, given the lack of information we that we have um, but you know I've mentioned this several times on the podcast over the several weeks so talking about the offensive line you, you know there are a lot of parallels to what we saw in 2015 with this current 2021 group and back in 2015 we had players like John Asamoah and Joe Hawley two players that seem like locks uh, entering camp two guys considered to be a, a top depth chart entering camp wound up not sticking on the roster that year due to injuries and prompting the team to essentially move on from both of those guys and go in a different direction. Um, So, you know, that's a possibility with Matt Gano. Uh, We've seen that happen before. Um, so, you know, for me, though, I would say a healthy Matt Donnell, at least assuming he's healthy by the time we get to September, would be the sort of seventh lock on this list. Um, you know, that would probably put Josh Andrews as the eighth offensive lineman. Um, I wouldn't necessarily categorize him as a lock because it's not necessarily unprecedented for a player to enter camp as a starter, um, using Joe Hawley as an example, and ultimately be cut by that same team at the end of training camp. However, it is rare. So. So while I won't say Josh Andrews is a lock for that reason, I think he's a relatively safe bet there to be that eighth guy. So that would leave one um, potentially two if if Gano is not among them due to his health, uh, open spots available for the rest of the guys that the Falcons are bringing to camp to compete for. And, you know, Given the concerns, health concerns you have about Gano, you know, you would guess that that one spot would probably be most likely geared towards a tackle. Um, I would look at William Sweet as the guy to beat the front runner for that spot because I don't necessarily see Willie Beavers as a true tackle. He moved uh, from tackle to guard early in his NFL career. And then you throw in Keon Smith, who, you know, I haven't seen a ton of. But strikes me as a really low-level project than necessarily, say, a guy that's going to be that high-level priority free agent-like players like Matt Gano and Ryan Schrader were that you looked at and said, hey, there's some intriguing upside here, and let's keep this guy on the roster. Uh, but, you know, could wind up being wrong with Keon Smith there. Uh, we'll just have to see. But looking at the other undrafted free agents, I do uh, – at the guard position, I do like Ryan Newzel the most of this group. He played in an outside zone blocking scheme at App State. And that's notable because Dwayne Ledford, prior to his stint in NC State that began in 2016, he was an assistant at App State um, and wound up installing that off- and outside zone blocking scheme that, uh, you know, App State continued thereafter that Nuzo wound up playing for. You know, of course, the fact that Ledford was at NC State means that he did coach uh, Joe Skullthorpe before he moved on to uh, Louisville, I think, in 2019, where he coached uh, Makai Beckton. Um, and so I would probably say that familiarity that, you know, Ledford has um, at least somewhat with those two schools and programs of App State and NC State, I would say Newsel and Skullthorpe would be my best guesses for the guys that are ahead of the curb at that guard position, potentially competing for that last spot on the roster. Of course, I would love, you know, to see a guy uh, from Pitt like Hargrove Stick. Um, But, you know, I don't necessarily look at Hargrove as a clean, natural fit in the scheme. And I feel like those players like Nuzel and, and, and Sculptor were better fits. Then you factor in Sam Jones. You know, the fact that he's been in multiple camps already over the last three years gives him some added experience. Um, even though he hasn't really played in a regular season. He's played in multiple preseason games over the last three years, so certainly that could also give him an edge in any competition, but I think for the most part, all those guys are fighting for practice squad spots, and if someone were to emerge and surprise there, you know, could sneak on the roster as a ninth Offensive linemen, especially in a world where Gano is healthy and then there was less pressure for the Falcons to keep an extra tackle uh, to fill that ninth spot, as we mentioned earlier. But obviously, the real concerns on this position group are who's going to emerge as the starters at left guard and center. Looking at that left guard position, you know, Andrews, as far as we know, has taken the vast majority, if not all, of the snaps with the first team at left guard throughout the offseason in, in OTAs, which is certainly understandable given his experience, given the fact that Mayfield is a bit of a project moving from right tackle, exclusively a right tackle, um, you know, for two years at Michigan now to playing inside at left guard. But I do think Mayfield is probably the guy to beat there, even though Andrews is technically listed as the starter in the top the depth chart. You know, I feel like you can compare it to sort of putting the thumbs on the scale when it comes to coming up with a even playing field, if you understand that adage. And, you know, what I will say about Josh Andrews in his favor is that I think he is... Is well suited to be the utility backup uh, with experience and has the versatility and experience at playing all three spots on the interior offensive line. It's very similar to what Justin McCray provided for the Falcons last year. Of course, McCray also had the experience playing tackle, but I think Andrews, unlike McCray, is actually possesses the athleticism and movement skills to make those reach blocks that you really want in outside zone scheme. So it's a better scheme fit. Uh, just probably doesn't have as much of a body of work that McCray does have. So I think if Andrews was sort of slotted in as the seventh or eighth guy in the Falcons depth chart, um, similar to what McCray was for most of last year's before injuries forced him to, you know, climb up the depth chart, I'd absolutely have no problem with Josh Andrews in that role. But I think if you're in a position like the Falcons seemingly are, where there's a potential that he could be one of your five best offensive linemen, that's, where you're dealing with some major concerns. So I think Mayfield should win the job. And while I don't think Mayfield at this point, based off my evaluation of him is a massively better player than Josh Andrews and doesn't necessarily have the ideal scheme fit. um, At least the Falcons have a vested interest in seeing his performance moving forward because of his draft status. Moving to the center position, you have the experience of Matt Hennessy versus the quote unquote talent of Drew Dolman. And I say talent because, you know, I feel like Dolman is only slightly better than Matt Hennessy pound for pound. Um, and we'll see sort of if, you know, talent uh, wins out over experience or if Hennessy's experience in, in getting those two late season starts uh, for an injured Matt, I mean, for an injured Alex Mack at center uh, in the last two weeks of the season. Um, will give him sort of an edge in that competition. And I would personally give Hennessy a slight edge if I were betting, you know, I would say there's probably like a 60% chance that he's the starter week one, but I feel like the odds are only slightly better than a coin flip in my eyes. And of course, you know, the reason why we focus on these two positions um, is because, you know, smack dab in the mirror, the offensive line that you're trying to build and protect around Matt Ryan and you're trying to lean on your running game to be better this year. And you have, you know, 40% of your offensive line being major question marks there. Um, And we've talked a little bit about Matt Ryan's regression in the past uh, when it comes specifically to dealing with pressure these last couple of years and not handling it nearly as well as he did during his quote unquote prime years. Um, And, you know, given Matt Ryan's style of play, uh, not necessarily being the most mobile quarterback and wanting to have those clean pockets to step up and throw into, uh, you don't necessarily have a great recipe for success when the biggest question mark, the biggest area of weakness on your offensive line also happens to be the interior of your offensive line, which will potentially prevent Matt Ryan from having those clean pockets to step up into. Um, So we'll see if these guys wind up performing above expectation. You know, they don't necessarily have to be stars this year. They just kind of have to be serviceable, right? The interior was not great last year with guys like Carpenter and Mac. Um, And so the hope is that you can kind of get a lateral move with the young guys this year. And, you know, with the improvements from Arthur Smith and Blake calling and, you know, you would hope that, uh, you know, that the offense will be more effective in a lot of ways in 2021, even if the offensive line isn't significantly better. Um, But obviously, this is a position that's going to continue to be a concern that we talked about going back to 2015 under a then first year head coach in Dan Quinn, the parallels, and they sort of completely revamped their offensive line at the end of that summer's training camp because they didn't like what they saw during preseason and one wonders if we will have another parallel to draw given what we will see from this unit in 2021 and back then the sort of eight guys that we went into training camp believing to be the locks or the strong bets to make the roster you know they wound up replacing four of those guys or roughly half of those guys before the start of the season by trading for Andy Levitre to start at left guard by replacing Joe Hawley with Mike Person as the starting center again odd parallels between left guard and center being vacancies signing Bryce Harris to be the replacement for Tyler Columbus as the team's go-to swing tackle adding Jake Long as a, another backup offensive tackle uh, to basically be Ryan Schrader insurance given Schrader's struggles that summer and then adding Geno Gratkowski uh, as a, another backup on the interior so I, I think it's fair to say that this current position group here in 21 is it definitely a work in progress. And we could certainly see the team do something similar where they bring in some veteran options or some other young talented players that they like uh, at the end of summer. So I would wager, you know, the left guard position of this two positions, left guard and center is the bigger area of concern. I would assume barring Hennessy or Dolman completely falling flat on their face this summer that the Falcons will be at least somewhat willing to take their lumps with whoever wins that starting center spot this summer going into the season. But left guard for me seems to be a position where if Mayfield does not impress, Um, It's hard for me to see the Falcons rolling into the season with Josh Andrews as their starting left guard. And, you know, to me, there remain plenty of options uh, for the Falcons to sign right now if they wanted to before training camp. Um, that could be in the mix there, as well as players that could wind up becoming available you know in August and September via trade, like we saw with uh, Andy Levitry or off the waiver wire, like we saw with Bryce Harris and Gino Grakowski way back in two thousand and fifteen so again. To me, my big takeaway is this offensive line group is definitely a work in progress, and right now we 're kind of in wait and see mode and to see who steps up and if anybody steps up or if nobody steps up, do the Falcons wind up addressing this position to the same with the same fervor that we saw you know six years ago with Dan Quinn uh, in that coaching staff so you know two thousand and fifteen it didn 't quite all come together uh, for the team during the season with guys like Person and Levitru starting on the interior, but they at least made an attempt. Um, And obviously we saw things improve the following off season uh, in 2016 when they added Alex Mack to their offensive line. And, you know, basically, I think you're kind of hoping for a similar dynamic this year. Again, these are relatively low expectations. And, again, maybe they can exceed these expectations by all means. But you you kind of just want the Falcons to kind of tread water at those two positions, left guard and center, this year. And hopefully with added cap flexibility next offseason, we'll be in a position similar to what they were in 2016 to be able to solve that problem long term. And if that's the case, then, you know, I will certainly consider, you know, basically treading water uh, on the interior, a win for the team for the time being. So I'm not necessarily panicking at this point in time, but it is something that probably right now gives me the most amount of anxiety about the Falcons heading into training camp in the season, uh, this interior offensive line. And you guys know, I don't, ever get too anxious about the Falcons defense uh, because I basically gave up on that unit that side of the ball ever coming together, you know, five, six years ago. Uh, But the offense I do certainly have concerns with. And especially when we talk about sort of the weak schedule that the Falcons face this year, because it's really, you know, don't get it twisted. It's weak in terms of the caliber of quarterbacks and the offenses that the Falcons are facing. So the defense is facing a weak schedule, but the Falcons' offense is not facing uh, a weak schedule. It's in fact that's the strength of the schedule is the caliber of legit defenses that they're facing. Teams like Washington and Philadelphia, Miami and San Francisco and New Orleans and New England. All those teams may have concerns and question marks at the quarterback position, and you wonder how good those teams can be if their quarterback play is not significantly good this year but all those teams have respectable defenses and several of them have, you know, top five, top 10 caliber defenses. Uh, and most of those defenses are mostly intact and you would expect are going to be good this year, despite whatever offensive woes they may suffer. You have teams like the giants um, where the strength of their team last year was the defense. Um, and when they think that's going to be improved, the jets hired a defensive minded coach who had a lot of success building up that 49ers defense. So with the off season additions they made on that side of the ball, they, think they'll you know at least be respectable on that side of the ball you know the bills offense outshined their defense last year but you know they were dealing with some injuries last year and sean mcdermott has proven himself over the time to be a very uh competent defensive coach you know obviously the bucks you know had one of the best defenses in the league last year and you know arguably owe their postseason run and and super bowl win to their defense's ability to to shut down and and completely clamp down the the Kansas city chiefs offense, a a feat that very few teams have been able to accomplish. And of course the Panthers, you know, defense they think is making strides. So you're not really getting a schedule outside of maybe one or two games this year of facing soft defenses this year. So if the Falcons are going to be challenged uh, any and every week this year, Um, It's going to be the offensive line that bears the brunt of that challenge each and every week. So it is certainly important that they hold up. And with that being said, there you have it on today's uh, training camp preview of the offensive line group running a little long. But, of course, there's a lot of topics to discuss with this position group because there's so many question marks. And uh, we will continue our training camp previews as well as have some great guests on next week. Um, I've already sort of booked those guys. I wasn't able to get them on this week, but certainly we'll have some great guests on next week uh, to talk about, you know, various topics surrounding the Falcons uh, and continue our training camp previews and maybe flip side to that side of the ball that I've already given up on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, But, you know, in terms of not giving up on things guys uh, you know, you may be focused or not too focused on the Falcons uh, at this point in time. You want to go and get your insight into what's going on in the rest of sports. What's going on in tennis and baseball and hockey and basketball, of course. And of course your one-stop shop for that is the locked on today podcast where host Peter Bukowski gives you all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the locked on today podcast on the odyssey Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. So there you guys have it. I hope you have a pleasant weekend. And of course we'll have some opportunities to do some Q and a's and, you know, listeners were able to guide sort of steer the wheel a little bit this week, uh, in terms of the types of content that we were able to provide. And of course, the way that you can provide your feedback and, and guide this ship as well is by hitting me up on Twitter at lockdown Falcons on Facebook at lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. I hope you guys have a great weekend, you know, God bless America. Happy birthday, America. Uh, I, I certainly will be grilling out this weekend, uh, having a couple of cocktails, some, uh, you know, burgers, dogs, etc. So, you know, get those delicious grilled meats in. Um, you know, I'm not looking forward to the fireworks. I've gotten bit old and bitter in my old age and, and just do not appreciate um, fireworks. You know, I don't mind it when like a city puts on their big fireworks display. But when you know, just random neighbors and it's not really this weekend, like I get it this weekend, you're going to do it. But it's like the Thursday after the 4th of July where it's like, you're still setting off fireworks. I'm like, come on, man, you you do better than this. But like that, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'm just the old man yelling at the cloud, but I'm sure several of you are nodding your heads. Like, yeah, come on, man. Like the last fireworks should go off on, Saturday, or wherever it is, or uh, Monday, or wh- wh- whatever, whatever fourth of Sunday, I think is is the last day, and, and that's it. Like you know, Sunday at midnight, done. No more fireworks, guys. Uh, you know, gosh darn it, America. I, f- I feel like Bernie Mac all of a sudden, but we're rambling here at the end of the episode, guys. Uh, appreciate it. Until then.